Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of Whatever. Um, this week, we're interviewing someone who needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. Um, if you're not familiar with his work, you may have seen uh, some of his characters on screen and probably more of his characters than any, any other comic book writer outside of Stan Lee. Um, Tim Drake, Nova Prime, Blade, Deathstroke, Cat Grant, Electrocutioner, Cyborg, and the new Teen Titans. Uh, so we've got a very uh, prolific author here. Goes by the name of Marv Wolfman. Um, Welcome to the show, Marv. Oh, my pleasure. Well, uh, thank you. <laughs> so, um, just we we read Crisis pretty uh, recently, actually a a, re- a reread, obviously. Yeah. Um, and we one of the things that I love about the fact that I, I bought the trade edition of it is that I've got that big long uh, introduction that you wrote, uh, where you talk a lot about why you did it and where right. the inspiration from the monitor came from. Um, I guess really the the starting point is is because you kind of talked a little bit about did you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish with crisis um, in efforts to help DC kind of clean up the continuity and you said yes and no um, looking back on it uh, even further now uh, since since you wrote it where are your feelings on that at this point it did the job that it was supposed to do at the time that we did it um, and you can't look at it later on and say it it worked or didn't work because uh, the goal was to um, get people to look at DC books who had not seen them before, people who were not uh, familiar with them, people who thought, who were primarily uh, Marvel zombies, which is what they call themselves. That's not a derogatory term. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, never looked at a DC and thought that DC was essentially Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman of 1985, and they may or may not have liked it. And my goal was to show them DC was a lot more than that, simplify it and give it a new starting point for people to jump in. Um, That was very successful and it worked. Uh, People picked up the book. It's the only one of the maxi series to date that is still constantly republished. A new volume just came out in the last couple of weeks, uh, a new hardcover. So it, it, it was very successful in what it did. What happens later is out of my hands, so I can't really talk about that, but I can just say that we were, that the goal, almost all the goals that we wanted were accomplished with a couple of minor editorial problems, but that's about it. So I'm, I could say I'm 90, 95% uh, happy with it. Um, I, speaking for myself, I can say that I, I thought it was brilliantly done. Um, it's it, My wife uh, had not really read many comic books uh, when we first got together. And when she told me that she was kind of interested in learning uh, more about comic books and some of her favorite characters, which were Superman and Batman, uh, things like that, I told her that uh, she was welcome to read any of my comic books that I had, but I, I highly recommended at that time that she start at crisis because it, it is such a good launching point. Um, coincidentally, it was also published the year she was born. Um, which, <laughs> so for her looking back at it, she, I, you know, cause you know, when, when we, as adults, we look back at things as being archaic from when we were kids. Um, but she wasn't like that. She really, really, really enjoyed it. And um, so uh, I, th- I think you've given the world, a good place to start with DC and that being said, and, and the new incarnations of crisis that have pu- been published since then, um, are, do you look at that as being flattering that, you know, people, the likes of Jeff Johns have come on, come along, you know, did infinite crisis. Um, and then there's been other kind of big crossover events that have, you know, reestablished DC over again. Um, is that flattering to you or is that something where you kind of feel like they wasted what you gave them to begin with? Uh, no, the, my view was I was going out, uh, going out to simplify the DC universe and to make it available to non-DC fans. Um, and I also felt that approximately every 25 years, you need to clear the, uh, air, you need to redo things. And, it sort of happened by accident originally. The in the uh, comics or Superman began in 1938, and mo- almost all the books—not Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman—but most of the other heroes 
uh, died in the early 50s and was in 56, uh, which was 28 years, 27 years, something like that. Uh, later, they revived uh, the superhero line with the uh, with Barry Allen, Flash, with Green Lantern, with all those characters. So, you know, the approximate 25 years, the approximate generation later, uh, they redid everything from the way they began. 25 years after Flash and Green Lantern and Hawkman and all of those were revived, I came in with Crisis. About 25 years after that, again, it's all give or take a year or two here or there, uh, they did... Um, uh, Infinite Crisis and uh, uh, the New 52. So that fits my view that every 25 years or so, you really need to clean, clean house, that you need to start over, you need to make it fresh. Um, sometimes I think the companies don't go far enough because they're still pretty much the same characters that used to be around or were around. And I would love to see brand new takes on the characters completely. But the big difference is today the same readers are reading the book, so they probably can't do anything like that because they would complain that, you know, this wasn't the real Flash or this wasn't that. When I read The Flash in when he first came back in Showcase, I had no idea that there was a Flash that came out in the Golden Age. I never saw any Golden Age comics. I never heard of them. I was born too late for them. So uh, for me, it was all new. Today, the same readers who are reading the Barry Allen Flash are reading the Flash now. So it's a little bit harder to do, but I do think you need to rethink the characters and replan the universes and make it understandable for a new crew of readers to come in. We've actually talked about that a little bit on the show, that sort of uh, reticence to let go of some of these characters a little bit. Um, the idea that springs to mind is um, a lot of it, we, we've talked about a few times that we'd really like to see Miles Morales come to the big screen um, as in the new Spider-Man. But we also realize that that's probably never going to happen because I think that especially the um, the outside world, you know, maybe not specifically comic book fans, but people who just go to movies and things like that only see Peter Parker as Spider-Man. And so I think we kind of totally agree with you. We'd really like to see new and original takes on these characters, too. But we quite a question how much commercial success they could have on something like that. Well, it's a little bit harder today because of the movies and you want essentially people who see the movies because they see them in, mil in, in the millions as opposed to comics, uh, which are in the tens of thousands. Um, you want them to have something that they feel familiar with or understandable with. But I think you can make changes. I think you can do do fixes. Nobody complained that Nick Fury is now black. Um, so having Spider-Man suddenly become Miles Morales would not be not understandable if you make that as part of the story, if you explain that within the story um, and take that in the different direction. Because I think readers are smart enough and movie viewers are smart enough to know this is not the same character and it's a brand new take. Maybe they'd give it a, a try. I don't know. We talked um, a little bit about, you know, you mentioned you, you how you wanted to kind of clean up and reset the universe for DC, and you think that that's necessary every 25 years or so. In the recent past, we've had a few different multiverse-level events. Um, the, the two that spring to mind are Convergence and Flashpoint, and then now we've got another one coming up with... Uh, the, uh, the Dark Side War. The Dark Side War. Um, do you think they're overusing that a little bit, or, or do you have any thoughts on that? Well... I don't quite know what the effects of the two that ha have been out have on the main DC universe. Maybe you could tell me. I, I'm just not sure. Um, and I certainly don't know what's going on with the Dark Side War, so I can't even comment on that one. The, the Dark Side War is actually kind of uh, it, it stemmed from from your stories because it's it's actually going to be Dark Side versus the uh, the Anti Monitor. Yeah, the um, Flashpoint, of course, is uh, the event that sort of reset the um dc universe most recently to the new 52 um, oh, i right. guess we're that's, just calling it dcu 
Um, Matt, you you read Convergence, right? I did. Yeah, I, I think actually instead I was reading Crisis for the first time. So uh, another thing that I want to point out, um, reading Crisis for the first time, I think it, it sort of drives home that point that there is a necessary reset because one of the things that was immediately clear, you know, reading Crisis is that you went through a, a whole bevy of characters that have been used throughout the um, DC universe, you know, for the previous what it must have been 50 years leading up to that. Um, and it kind of drove home the fact that, you know, we'd gotten a little out of control by that point. So, But, but the characters themselves, I mean, um, the comment that you made is uh, how, how those particular ones affected. Those are the changes, though. Uh, I, I forgot that Flashpoint led right into the New 52, but that was just a setup for it. My view is that, you need if you do these series, and certainly with Crisis, there was an actual need to do the series because uh, the sales were very poor at the time. But if you do the series, there has to be a real reason to do it, and not just a big story. And I think most of them haven't. But uh, Flashpoint did lead into the New Fifty Two, which was this generation's big change. And there will be another one in twenty five years if, if you know all comics are still around and everything else. And I certainly hope they are. Um, they'll probably be in a very different form, though. Um, so, you know, it's necessary to do it. I just wouldn't do all the uh, miscellaneous crossovers unless there's a good, solid reason to. That That is the reason why I was somewhat disappointed with the, the Convergence storyline that just recently happened. Um, because they, they did the... I think it was something like eight books, but there was, they stopped publishing the rest of the DC or the new 52 books as well. And instead they were all two part, you know, mini, mini series that tied into it, but they weren't all that necessary. And and in fact, some of them were just not that good because I think when you have that many writers trying to tell the same story from this, from a different point of view, you, you end up stepping on each other's toes or tripping over them. Um, it, it just kind of felt kind of clumsy to me. So, Well, I think the purpose of uh, Convergence was not a, a, a universe change, but uh, the idea being these are, these are characters that you read as kids or whatever else, and now it's leading on to the new stuff. But it's, it's hard for me to say I wrote, a, I wrote two of those. I wrote the teen, uh, New Teen Titans and I wrote the Adventures of Superman ones. And my goal on those were to do classic type stories, but brought up to date a little bit, um, but still using the characters from certain time periods of DCU. And they were a lot of fun to write because I really enjoyed writing the Superman Supergirl from 1984 and the same with Titans from 1984. I, I actually really enjoyed those, those two. It was those in the... Uh... Um, the Batgirl ones that I actually enjoyed the most out of out of all the different ones. Yeah, I just finished reading uh, Year Three, um, which is another title you did, of course. Um, and and that that's actually funny that you meant you describe it that way because that's the, very much how I felt reading Year Three was it was a nice way to bring sort of the backstory, mostly of uh, um, Tony uh, Zuko, Tony Zuko, and and Dick Grayson, sort of bringing that a little bit more into the modern age. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it too. Um. How about in Crisis? Were there any, uh, especially there were there were a lot of iconic deaths in Crisis. Are there any that you regretted or um, that you wish you would have done differently? Uh, I don't think so. Um, most of them, you know, super. The main ones were Supergirl and the Flash, of course. Um, and I thought those were handled as well as possibly could be handled, uh, at least by me. Um, I was very pleased with those stories. I uh, the fact that Supergirl, ne I mean, this sounds awful and very commercial, but uh, Supergirl had never was never a big seller, and most people didn't actually like the book at all, or didn't read the book, uh, never read the book. They just remembered the early Supergirl stories when she first appeared, um, and they made that the those nineteen fifties stories those were the ones that were in those people's heads for the longest time, not anything that followed for the 25, 35 years that followed the, uh, followed her introduction. Um, so 
when we did our story, we actually got comments from a lot of people saying it was like the best Supergirl story they had read. So it proved that if you take the time and work it out, any character can be made to work well, uh, but you just don't always have the time and you don't always have the correct people available to do it. Um, so I thought that we did a good job with that one. And The Flash was a very tragic one, uh, especially because nobody knows he's dead <laughs> in the entire book. And the character who introduced the Silver Age goes out very quietly. But of course, his death is probably more important to the DCU than Supergirl's was in many ways. Um Speaking speaking of the Flash and, and his death, uh, you wrote in the introduction to the uh, the trade for Crisis that there was a a key point that a keen yeah. a keen eye could go back to. Is that what Jeff Johns used when he resurrected the the Barry Allen Flash? No, no, he was not aware of uh, aware of that. I put it's on my website because I got tired of telling it. Okay, so <laughs> it's under it's under questions and answers on my website, and people could find it there. Okay. It's just too long and convoluted and complex uh, when I first came up with it. I didn't want to necessarily kill the Flash. That was a uh, that was a decision by the publisher. So uh, because all the editors and publisher and by, you know all those people had had a say in it, and they wanted that to be done. Supergirl was my idea to make Superman the sole survivor of Krypton, but again everything had to be approved and everything had to be set up for that uh so the editors no i killed nobody unless they were approved uh up front unless i created them and i was was allowed to um but in the case of the flash that was a decision i didn't necessarily agree but uh what i tried to do was if he was going to go out he was going to go out the best way i can possibly make him go out and to make him more important and i think the fact that in the comic nobody knew he was dead until the very end gave it a resonance that if it was just following the same pattern as Supergirl's death, it, his death would not have been as unique. Because uh, I think what we did made his death special, as opposed to just doing the same. They get killed uh, trying to help people. The way uh, Supergirl's death was. Yeah, having having just read that uh, crisis not not too long ago, that was one of the things that I really stuck it to, stuck uh, to me when I was reading it was um, not only did he die sort of heroically, but also nobody knew about it. I remember thinking, wait, wait a second, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows. He, I mean, so uh, that added a certain tragedy. I mean, I, I think I was you know sitting there shaking my fist, going, "Marv, damn you!" Um, but uh, to me, that was a, a sign of um, something that I thought worked really well in the book because there are lots of ways, of, and I'm sure you could have nailed, you know, a, a thousand other cliched ways to take out the Flash, or you know, it could have made it too similar to Supergirl. But that was one of the things that I really liked about the story. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, all of, all of those deaths were long considered once once I had the approvals on them. So. It was my determination that in, in working out the plots and everything that Flash had to die in a way, if he was going to die, he had to die in a way that was unique to him. And he and I even wrote an entire novel uh, on Crisis, which is not a replication of the series, but the entire story of what Flash was doing. And you could find the book. I mean, uh, you could probably still find it on Amazon. Um, I wrote it 10, 15 years ago, and it's about a 300-page novel. Uh, and I'm really proud of that because it's the entire Flash story. I'm a little mad at myself for not knowing that existed, actually. Yeah. If uh, we can find a link for it, it's it'll definitely Crisis be in the on show notes. Earth, <laughs> uh, And written by me, and it's, um, uh, yeah, it came out a long time ago. And it, it, it's both hardcover and softcover, and there may be copies still available on, on Amazon. I don't know. Uh, but as I say, it was it was a real special story because I was able to do the entire story from Flash's point of view. So there were definitely a lot of characters that didn't quite make it through Crisis. Um, are there any characters that you wish you could have killed that you didn't get approval for or didn't for whatever reason at the time? 
Uh, I didn't go into it with the idea of, boy, I can't wait to kill this character. <laughs> Couldn't care less about that. That's not what, is, what the story was about. Um, as I say, Supergirl's death was because uh, we wanted to make, and I believe that we should make Superman the sole survivor of Krypton. Um, that is not to say that sometime afterwards Supergirl couldn't come back, but you could correct all the mistakes they made in, in the original creation um, because she was not well created for 1985. She was created in the 50s, and the creation was... Uh, she was a cute character and fun, and I enjoyed it, but it got tiring after a while for most people. So I didn't go into it because I didn't like the character. I knew she could always be done well. I wrote a couple of Supergirl stories for when she was in Adventure Comics, and I thought they worked. So I knew that she was a good character, but she was created because of the greater need to make Superman special and unique. So I didn't go in thinking, boy, I can't wait to kill Congo Bill or something like that. Um... Uh, we left that up to the editors and whether or not they survived or, or didn't really was up to the uh, editorial staff. Um, so talking about Supergirl, I just, I, I have kind of a quick question. Have you, um, obviously you're aware that they're, they're doing a Supergirl series on CBS yeah. now. Uh, yeah. have you had any input on, on that based on the fact that, uh, Cat Grant is one of the, the major players in that series? No, you know, Kat's actually one of those characters of mine that most people aren't aware of, but she's been in more TV series than almost anybody else because she was a regular on the first season of Lois and Clark, played by Tracy Scoggins. She was a partial regular on Smallville in the last season, and I'm afraid to say I don't remember the actress's name, and now she's being played by Calista Flockhart on Supergirl. So she's actually been in three live-action series. And that's pretty amazing. I'm uh, I, I'm I'm going to go ahead and say this. I, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the pilot or not. Uh, yeah, I've, I've I've seen the pilot. Are Are you happy with the treatment of Cat Grant in the uh, in the series? Well, they they made a change uh, that she's sort of like the uh, Devil Wears Prada um, uh, boss, as opposed to the gossip columnist. But you know, Cat was created originally because it was my feeling that um, Lois was sort of stupid in that <laughs> she could not recognize what a good guy Clark was. He looks just like Superman. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter. He's obviously not only very, very talented, but a good guy. And she didn't seem to care for him. And I wanted somebody who saw what a good guy Clark was. Again, everything was to repower uh, Superman and make him strong. So she was created as this character who would bring him out of his shell, who would stop him from wearing 1950s clothing, those those old suits. Uh, she would get him. She would be a little bit more aggressive uh, than Lois ever could be, uh, because it was again so many years later that we could do types of stories that were, had a little bit of sexual attention to them. So uh, unless Superman and Clark are in the story, that point that I had created doesn't work. So they had to find something else because they, they like the basic concepts of the character. And I think, you know, I only saw the pilot and uh, I, I'm a big fan of Callista Flockhart anyway. Yeah, uh, I saw every episode of Ally McBeal. Um, and, uh, therefore I'm really anxious to see what they do with her because, uh, again, I like her and I like the, like the approach. Is it totally mine? No, but then, you know, very rarely are these things completely what you do in the comics anyway. And as I say, without the thing that is the reason for her existing, you have to make those changes. And I thought they did a good job. Do you have any quick opinions on the Supergirl pilot or what did you think of the, the, the first episode so far? I think uh, like, a, like so many first episodes, it shows so much promise. And I, I really like the lead actress. Uh, I liked her. I, I was wondering why she wasn't used more when she was on Glee, uh, because I thought she was really talented there. And uh, I like the fact that they made Jimmy uh, 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 black in the um, pilot because there's no reason he couldn't be. 
Um, and I'm not somebody who believes that you just do the same thing you've always done just because it's always been done that way. So I was really happy to see that they probably have made him a lot more interesting. He's always been this sort of boring character. Uh, and he doesn't look boring. The actor doesn't look boring at all. Uh, I don't remember who plays uh, the editor um, or the other people who work with it. But I came out of it going, there's a fairly good pilot. We'll see what happens in the future. It's interesting that you you talked about the Jimmy Olsen character because um, after hearing your reasoning uh, for uh, your, your at least your understanding for why the Cat Grant character doesn't work the way she did in in the Superman comics um, for the series, um, I kind of initially was taken aback by Jimmy not not because of race or anything like that. He just seemed a little more uh, sure of himself than Jimmy Olsen did, um, you know, in all the comic books and other series that we've seen him in in movies. Um, but it kind of makes a little bit more sense too, because he was also a character that was created specifically for Superman to save repeatedly. Um, and without Superman being there, I mean, obviously Supergirl can, can play a little bit of a part, but, um, it, it kind of makes a, a little bit of sense as to why he's maybe not the, uh, damsel in distress, so to speak. And, and he can play a, a different role for, uh, for Kara. Well, I think that uh, the concept of the damsel in distress, whether it's a, uh, a woman or a, ma a man, is sort of fairly old-fashioned. Uh, it comes out of the, you know, um, King Arthur-type storylines. Um, I, I don't think we have to do that in the same way anymore. I think people could be strong. I could, I, I, all he, Jimmy has to be is earnest and a good photographer or whatever else uh, they make him. I don't remember if he's a photographer in Supergirl. Um, but, he, you know, he was a cub reporter for the entire length of his own comic. He wasn't a photographer at all that they changed later on. So as long as he's good and he's somebody who is going to, in a sense, challenge our main character in some fashion, we don't need to hit for him to be weak. We don't need for him to be um, the character she has to save all the time. Um, she, he needs to be a good reporter and that's, that's primarily it and earnest and a good character. Cool. Um, how do you feel about your, uh, this is a, 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 obviously a very broad question with so many screen credits for characters that you've written. Um, but how do you feel overall about, uh, the characters you've seen on screen and their treatment? Um, are there any characters you think that they did exceptionally well on screen? Uh, um, I guess in line with your vision, or any characters that you think that were way, way off base, um, based on what you'd written? Well, I thought um, Deathstroke uh, by Manu Bennett and the, uh, and the Arrow guys was nearly perfect. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine a lot better treatment to the character. Uh, I thought uh, that Blade, certainly in the first movie, was so much the Blade that I had done. Um, uh, as opposed to say Hannibal King, uh, which was so, which was a completely different take on the character. Uh, I had him as sort of a detective type character and he was just Hannibal King in name only, uh, played by Ryan Reynolds. Um, so those characters I thought came off really, really well. Uh, um, I, I really loved what uh, they did with uh, Tracy Scoggins' Cat Grant because, again, she was very similar to the original uh, concept. Um, and I'm trying to think. Tra Tracy was Lois and Clark, right? Yeah. Yeah, Tracy was Lois and yeah. Clark. The first it's, been a while. it's been a while since I watched that, but the, the memory that I'm having seems pretty Cat Grant to me. So. Well, I, re I, I remember, I don't remember anything about the stories or anything, but I remember liking it when I saw it. Uh, so, same. same. Old, I don't think know. I've watched it since it aired, probably, you know, it must be 20 years ago. But yeah, yeah. I had sa same exact feeling, so that's funny. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else. I mean, uh, you know, you have characters like the Nova, uh, Nova group, uh, but those were not characters that I spent any time with. Um, and the versions are, were slightly different. So uh, I don't have, outside of really seeing them and loving the movie, loving the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, because it was just so much fun. 
Um, you know, I like to see them, but uh, they weren't quite what I had done. Certainly, uh, the Nova Corps and everything was mentioned more than shown, because um, uh, I was centering on Rich Ryder uh, as Nova. I'm trying to think of anybody else. Uh, Deathstroke, Cat Grant, um, Blade. Those are those are the ones that I think have been done the best. Uh, Emil Hamilton, another character who's been on more shows than anybody knows. Uh, it was just a one or two shot Superman character, but he's been played constantly uh, in the movies and TV. Uh, I liked his character in Smallville. Yeah, I thought he was great. Uh, well, which version? Because he was in Smallville twice. He was. He was. In one, I think it was season one or two. Yeah, and he was uh, played. Um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm forgetting the actor's name now. I, I, he, he was the guy that was one of the doctors in Eureka, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. And um, then he was killed. And I guess the, you know, eight years later or how many years later it was, the new crew who was handling that show probably didn't know it and brought him back as a totally different actor. And then, of course, he was in Man of Steel. Right. Yeah. What was interesting in Man of Steel was there's a scene with with um, the actor who's playing um, uh Emil mm-hmm. talking to a technician, and that technician was the actor who played Emil Hamilton in Smallville. In uh, yeah, in Smallville. Right. <laughs> so I, I, there were two Emil Hamiltons on screen at the same time, and I had to wonder if uh, the actor who played the technician uh, ever mentioned that he had played Emil Hamilton for the last uh, several years. You, you, yeah, you kind of wonder what the decision making was involved in that. If they knew it all and just cast him blindly, or if if he, uh, you know, maybe he auditioned for that role and they were like, "Well, no, we got somebody else in mind, but you can be this guy." Kind of a thing. <laughs> well, he, probably, he probably didn't audition for that role because they were going um, for more well-known American actors, and he's obviously a Canadian actor, and it was filmed in Canada, so you have to fill a certain number of uh, Canadian spots. Sure. But I just thought it was great because he did a really nice job with Emil Hamilton. So I was glad to see them share some uh, uh, screen time. So uh, we've talked a few a few times about a few different shows and movies and things like that you've liked in the comic book realm. Are there any comic book shows or, t- or TV that you watch or any comics you follow still uh, now? Well, there's probably more um, TV shows than I watch. Uh yeah, uh, this season, the first two episodes of Gotham, I thought were great. Really great. Um, I like iZombie, which shocked me, because I never even saw the comic. Um, and I knew it was one, but I, ne- I never bothered to look at it. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to me goes up and down. I- I'm never quite sure if I'm going to like an episode or not, but generally they haven't been awful or anything. Um, Arrow, I like very much. Flash has been wonderful. Uh, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> the, the, the Arrow, um, series as, as well as Flash are kind of one of the reasons that Eddie and I started doing this podcast in the beginning, because we felt like we needed an outlet to really talk about each episode after we watched it throughout the week. And then, uh, even after the season was over, we just kind of kept doing the shows every week, talking <laughs> about different stuff and things yeah. like that. So, um, it's funny because I, th- I think you mentioned sort of a lot of mainstays here too. Um, so Matt Matt has been pushing me to get caught up on Gotham for a while. Um, I'd watch most of Gotham, um, but I kind of got a little bored with it towards the middle. But Matt tells me I really need to watch the rest because it seems like it's turning out really well. Um, and of course, Flash and Arrow. We we both love Flash and Arrow. Um, I don't think. Have you watched iZombie yet? No, I haven't watched yeah. iZombie. Well, but if, if you well, don't let's check that out, yeah. If you don't finish season one of Gotham, then you miss the introduction of the Electrocutioner. See, yeah, I got to go back and, like I said, I, I got to get caught up on that. So Yeah, the first season of Gotham was up and down, uh, but this season has been phenomenal so far. And the episode they had on this week um, had a beautiful switch in it that was brilliant. How about comic books? Do you follow any comic books late, uh, uh, still or uh, regularly? Not regularly. Uh I look at uh, Batman uh, uh, on occasion because I like what Scott does. Um, 
Okay, I looked at. Uh, I actually read a couple of issues of uh, Mark Wade's Archie comics and thought he did a brilliant job with it. Uh, something I knew I could never do. Um, but he caught. Uh, he he was able to catch Archie and still bring it up to date. Um, occasionally, uh, I will uh, read. You know, look at a, a mag, uh, look at a comic that uh, since DC sends them to me, I will I will go through them and take a look. But uh, I don't follow a lot of titles at the moment. You know, um, because of what he did with uh, the Green Lantern series. Anytime I see something with Jeff Johns's name uh, out, I, I usually pick it up and, and check it out. And he's he's pretty solid. Are there any current uh, comic book writers that you feel um, anytime you see their name attached to a project, you know, you say, you know what, I'm going to give that a shot and, and check it out or anything. Well, Jeff is one of those two because he, he, he really understands the books and he understands more importantly, the characters and why they work as opposed to just doing them. Uh, I think that's why his, ver his teen Titans were the only other one since mine that really sold well. Um, it's not that the other writers aren't good. Some of them are really good, but they didn't put the thought process in as to why, the, what would make that title work. Um, and Jeff certainly did. So he's somebody, Scott Snyder is uh, really good. Um, uh, I'm forgetting names. He does Saga uh, for Image. Uh, saga. See, I told you I've been trying to get Matt to read Saga for like six months yeah. now. Real, really well done. Uh, there are a number of people. I just can't think of them all, and I hate to, uh, I hate to um, leave out people that whose work I really like. Oh no problem. Uh, you know um, Scott Snyder. I'm actually kind of glad you mentioned uh, him because he's doing something with some of the the current DC books that I think hasn't been done in quite a long time, and that is he's he's focusing um, on dialogue quite a bit. Uh, moving the story along through words rather than a lot of flashy pictures. And I understand, I mean, comic books are great because they are, you know, pictures and, and words and stuff like that. But um, I feel a lot of the, the current product kind of lacks in dialogue these days because of the, you know, they're just trying to communicate almost solely through art. And Scott's not doing that, even though he has one of the foremost artists in the industry with Greg Capullo working with him most of the time. Um, I think they do a good job with that book. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, comics are supposed to be read as well as seen, so uh, you know uh, both sides should be vitally important to it, and you shouldn't be diminishing the writing uh, just to highlight the artwork because the artwork exists to tell the story. And so, if both the writer and the artist are working together to tell the story, that's the important thing. Now, Scott's a very good writer per se. Um, Mark Wade, another one. Um, he. Uh, I'm always surprised at his stuff uh, because he takes a lot of risks that you wouldn't think. His stuff feels like it's it's more more um, straightforward, but it actually isn't. It's it's far more um, experimental. Sure. Uh, one of the things, as I go back and reread a lot of those titles um, in *In a Crisis*, and I've read a couple of other, you know, titles from the the mid '80s and, and even early '90s. Uh, one of the things I notice is there's quite a bit more dialogue in the books than there are today. Um, what other changes? Uh, first off, do you agree? Or, or and second, uh, what other major changes in the industry have you seen? Um, you know, since you were writing, you know, things like *Crisis* and *Year Three* and so on. Yeah, there's much less dialogue today. Um, and, uh, some of that's for the better, some of that's for the worse. I think, uh, the other things like removing captions for the most part, I think that's a major mistake. Uh, slightly less so with thought balloons, but I think thought balloons work as well, uh, when well done. Uh, I think there was a, that people in the nineties and early two thousands, decided that certain things made the books look um, juvenile and try to get rid of it. But comics, uh, you shouldn't be, you should just do those things well as opposed to get rid of some of the things that may not, that you may not think work. So I believe in captions quite a bit, but the type of captions I like are mood and story created in captions. Um, 
I don't believe that you should have everything first person, uh, which seems to be what's replaced captions. Uh, very often, I would never do Batman first, uh, first person. I know they do, and Scott does it well. But I would never do that because I don't want to know what Batman's thinking. Uh, I, I, back in the 70s, when I did Tomb of Dracula, I never had a single thought balloon go to Dracula uh, because I never wanted you to know what he was actually thinking. And in fact, half the stuff he said was a lie. So you had to actually see what he did as opposed to what he said, since you never had a sense of what he was thinking. And that was a deliberate choice on my part there uh, at the time. Um, there are things that we should not have gotten rid of uh, just because they weren't being done well. What you do is you just make them, you just insist that they be done well or those people don't use it. You know, if you can't write a good caption that really forwards the story, then you shouldn't use captions. <laughs> but if you can do that, or if you can create character in captions that you can't create in other ways, because we have a very limited space. We only have 20 pages and uh, only a couple of panels on each page. So we have to make every word count and you have to be able to say multiple things with the words that you do use. And captions, a well-written caption that gets into the mood or the setting or the feel of what's going on can actually help a story. Definitely. I, uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting because you, you talk about, you know, when, when you have your writer working in collaboration with your artist, um, you know, and, and how you can produce a really well done book with both dialogue and art where neither one of them has to sacrifice for the other. Um, it's, it's fair to say that the work that you and George did was phenomenal. Were there any other artists that you remember working with uh, that you always looked forward to doing a project with? Well, uh, Gene Colan on Dracula and then Night Force later on and some other stuff as well. Um, uh, that to me was where I learned how to do it all. And Gene's artwork was just astonishing. Um, I really enjoyed working with Gil Kane. Uh, and George, I mean, I, there were so many others that I, that I like working with and I don't want to diminish those, sure. you know, um, Tom Grummet on Titans was great and all the others, but in terms of partnerships, because Tom was in Canada and I'm, and I was in New York at the time, you know, George Perez lived five blocks from my house. So we saw each other every week as we were working out the material. You can't beat that, but you can't do that when somebody lives several thousand miles away. Uh, Gene Colan lived in New Jersey. Again, close enough that we can get together. We can meet up at the Marvel offices and such. Um, uh, Gil Kane, also when I did most of my work, lived, lived in New York. And later when I moved to California, so he was living in California too as well. So. If you can actually get together like that, that's that's just perfect, uh, and that's the ideal. But if you can't, uh, you just try to do it through phone, and now these days through things like Skype, where you can actually see each other, and uh, the artist can hold up artwork, and you could uh, talk about it and make changes uh, in uh, real time. Yeah, th this is amazing because I ten years ago I couldn't have, have imagined sitting down and being able to actually, you know, record an interview, uh, with you or, you know, anybody else, uh, as, as easily as this was able to come together. And I, I understand you had a busy schedule, you know, all through September and whatnot. Um, and I don't hold that against you at all, but I mean, it's just, it's incredible. How much technology sort of lends to, um, um, the creative process these days in certain ways. I mean, in some cases it's almost as much of a hindrance, you know, because because we did have our share of technical, you know, like how do we set this thing up type of thing. But yeah, what it, what it allows you to do, you know, like you're saying, just you know, via Skype and things like that is is a lot of fun. So so did you have any more um, crisis questions? Um, just a couple things, and and then we can we can let you go because I um, we've had you for close to an hour now. So um, do you think that you could have written the same story if you didn't have George with you? Well, George wasn't part of the initial um, 
plans. Uh, in fact, he wasn't going to be working on it. We didn't have an artist set, so I was doing all the rough, all the early plotting and all the design material um, before he was involved with it. Uh, what happened was I kept talking about what I was doing, and he finally said, okay, I'd like to do it. But I had already plotted out the rough concept for these, for the 12 issues. Not every detail, of course, and the book improved dramatically uh, when he when he started to come in on that, on, on the plotting as well. Um, could it have been done? Sure. Could it have been done as well? No. Because... George is maybe the only artist back then and probably today too who could have drawn every one of those characters 100% correctly in character and also who could have understood what I, what I wanted to do because this was very much something that I had set up and was passionate about, was very strongly about. And he came in and we were able to improve upon what my original plans were. Uh, but we start those first three issues or maybe four, I forget now, were certainly almost totally uh, worked out before he was involved. And then afterwards we worked together because again, uh, I could not imagine a better co-partner in doing that type of stuff. Uh, his work was the best uh, at the time and still holds up better than anyone else could have ever done, could have ever assumed to have done. I, I agree. Um, I think one of the, uh, one of the things that I've noticed is as far as the, the, the writers of the, you know, eighties throughout kind of the early nineties, the, the artists and the writers is they're they, they don't make them like that anymore. Um, and, and I mean, we do have some great artists and writers, um, in their own way these days, but just, I mean, the, the passion for their art and what they do, uh, we had, um, we'd taken, uh, my kids to, uh, a Comic-Con up in, uh, Portland, Oregon a couple of years back and, and Mike Deodato, uh, was there and the, the girls had their little, you know, passports that they had to get stamped on, on kid day and stuff. And he didn't just stamp them. He actually took the time and drew, you know, Captain America and Spider-Man and stuff, you know, just a, just a real quick sketch, but it was amazing work. Um, yeah, Mike's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so it's just, I, I, I gotta tell you just, I mean, as a fan, um, how much that I really, really appreciate what you have done, uh, for the medium and, and George as well. Um, yeah. One one last piece, and this is a personal thing because my my kid would kill me if I didn't mention this. <laughs> my my oldest daughter, she's eleven now, and she's actually um, pretty heavily into superhero comics. And her favorite her favorite characters are from the Teen Titans series. And um, she about killed me when I when I told her that I was going to actually be talking with you and doing an interview um, when she wasn't here. So, <laughs> what uh, what advice would you give to an eleven year old girl in terms of? Um, comic books just i mean how to appreciate them i think what you do is you 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 find the books that speak to you like anything else and there are so many good books for uh for kids today and for 11 year olds um and for girls which didn't exist 10 years ago i think you could find so many different types of comics comics are story and art and that's it nothing says it has to be one thing or the other uh, it's just story and art and that's the medium that we're using. The genre doesn't matter. It could be a superhero. It could be a detective. It could be kids on an adventure. It could be anything else. Find the stories to speak to you and just enjoy it and not worry about anything else. Uh, don't worry about becoming a collector. Don't worry about uh, the value of the books, whether they have any or not. Just find stories that you enjoy and enjoy the process of reading them and looking at the pictures and making, making the stories work for you. Okay. Well, on that note, um, I think of course we want to say thank you for your time. Um, if you're new or you're not familiar with Marv Wolfman, uh, where can we go to find more, more about you or are there any current projects you're working on that you really want to, uh, uh get out there? I'm, I'm working on a, a Raven mini series for next year. Um, and it's actually, uh, I'm writing it so that girls 11 years old could read it. 
Um, it's very character driven and not superhero driven. It's a very mysterious and creepy type story as opposed to a um, big Rock'em Sock'em adventure story. So I think uh, a girl would like them, um, I'm hoping. And uh, you can find a ton of my stuff on um, Amazon. Just type in my name and you'll find a zillion books that they've reprinted of mine and uh, go through those. Awesome. We will uh, we'll, we'll find some of your, your stuff on Amazon. We'll actually link it to our website so that people have easy access to it. And mention the uh, novel. Uh, that's the first thing we're going to look for since we're yeah. down here. <laughs> I think we both kind of are dying a little bit and neither one of us have read that. So yeah, that's funny. Um, okay. Well, we, we want to thank you for your time. Of course, uh, everybody, uh, Marv Wolfman, uh, we, um, you got to pick up some of these stories. I mean, you, you couldn't come up with some more iconic works in, in comic book history than you could, uh, that didn't come from this man's brain. So, well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. You take care. You, you too. too.
God damn. That just fucking happened, right? Did that just fucking happen? That just happened. Okay. I don't even think we sounded like total chodes. I don't think we did. I think we actually might have not come off like dickholes. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We need to.